Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and prep and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. What's good? What's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome back to episode 68 of Five Yard College. Ash is back. His mic is still muted. I'm giving him a heads up. I don't know if he knows. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Missed him last week. And not only is he back, he's brought cake and beer to the party. Ash, the Dynasty Boys. Liam has a cocktail of the week every week and lets people know. What cake did your nan make for us on your triumphant return this week? She made just a classic sponge with a bit of jam and cream in the middle. It was delightful, I've got to say. Nice. Did it have cream yeah. on top or was it just dusted with icing sugar? No, just dusted. Just a little bit of dust. Excellent. <laughs> do, do, is, is your nan a fan of the Bake Off? Does she watch the Bake Off? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, She's a fan of bacon, I know that. I don't know, I don't know if she actually watches <laughs> the Bake Off or not. Yeah, big, big, fan of, uh, big fan of the bacon there. We should uh, get Ash's Nan on Bake Off next year, Rush Nation. That should be <laughs> that should be hashtag get Ash's Nan on Bake Off. We'll work, we'll work on it. Ash, welcome back, mate. Again, last week you were, uh, I don't know, Tahiti or somewhere exotic once again, living your best life in 2021. How um, do you think Jordan and I did last week? Or you can be honest and say you didn't listen, it's fine. Yeah, I caught, I caught about half of it while I was, um, I caught about 20 minutes while you guys were live and then... I caught about the just over half of it through the week, and yeah, it was good. I enjoyed having, I enjoyed George being on because Pac-12 gets a little bit of love, and they, <laughs> they ain't gonna get it when I'm on. So, so someone's got to. 
Yeah, I mean, we did. Obviously, we went straight through that because you weren't here, and my non-bias to anyone, the Pac-12 was was represented by our Pac-12 writer, and I got a yeah. got a shout out. Geordie had a baby last Wednesday, just after the show, and he's already slamming in re- reviews and previews of not only the Pac-12 but so, but also the SEC. So. Doth my cap to you, George. Well done on that, and congratulations to you and the missus, mate, on on the second birth of your second child. No, the first birth or the birth of your second child. Let's get yeah. that right. Yeah, the second it. birth would be, I don't know, weird. We'd learn. <laughs> we'd slide straight away from the ash. Week six in college football, unbelievable stuff, mate. I mean, we've we talked earlier on in the day about what we should include in the in the show doc because there was so much went down. We promised you some showdown talk, Rush Nation. You're probably not going to get it because of how exciting and what there is to cover in week six. And then I look at the show, Doc Ash, I look at the news and there is only one bit of news in this, which is bananas considering everything that went on this week. Yeah, there is just the one bit of news. It's all it's all game related, um, to be honest, game and injury related. But there was one bit of non, I say non-game news. It was uh, it came out after the after the game. But Wisconsin have dismissed running back Jalen Berger from the team. Uh, that came about Sunday. Uh, the Badgers coach, Paul Christ, announced the move after the victory over Illinois that Burgers was no longer involved with the program. But they haven't actually specified the reason for his dismissal. And this actually marks the third running back this year, this season, that West Wisconsin have released. So obviously Berger went on Sunday yesterday. And um, we mentioned it, I think it was maybe four or five weeks ago now, maybe a bit longer. But Mm -hmm. freshman Loyal Crawford was dismissed and fellow freshman Antoine Robertson, uh, Antoine Roberts, sorry, was suspended. Um, Roberts has since entered the transfer portal. So they've lost three three running backs this year. So that that back room is looking a little scarce. But be interested to see what the uh, decision to release Berger was because he was a highly rated player coming into Wisconsin and he was their top rusher last year in his freshman year. So clearly something's gone on behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always think of Wisconsin as one of those teams that win it on defence and running the ball behind a stout offensive line. And that just isn't happening this season at all. And now the release of a third running back, something is definitely awry in that room. And as you said, it is very, very scarce right now. I mean, I don't, I couldn't even tell you who their lead running back was right now. Off the top of my head, it's just... It's, it's mad over there. It's absolutely mad. Listen, Ash, I know you're looking that up and I know that you, you're keen to tell me the the information there. And because there was only one bit of news, we're going to get straight into Injury Corner. And there is a fair amount of names on the list this week. Some Some fairly big names, some names that injuries may have ramifications, whether or not they are season ending or not. But as always, before we get to Injury Corner, we want to save you from your own injury. And that is by using the Manscaped 4.0. So Ash, do you like playing with balls? No, I'm not talking about footballs. I'm talking about your balls. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, want to you to shave your pubes with the Trevor Lawrence of ball trimmers. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is only the GOAT technology for the greatest college balls of all time. When you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them, so join the movement with our exclusive offer by using the code 5YARD at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code 5YARD at manscaped.com. 
take the, your ball defense to the promised land with Manscaped. Ash, injury corner. First one straight out the gate. De'Eric King out for the season after Miami announced he will undergo shoulder surgery. The injury had already caused King to miss the last two games and now his super senior year is over. What does this do for De'Eric King's draft stop going forward? And just generally for Miami, I mean, um, the two guys who have stepped in so far have looked pretty good, but obviously De'Eric King was touted as the next big thing. The, his Heisman race is over now because of this injury as well. Just all around nightmare for Miami. This, yeah, it is. As you say, um, Van Dyke is the is the guy who stepped in, in in place of him for Miami, and and he's 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 performing well. I think he's I think he is a redshirt freshman. So for him to be able to step in and uh, the play play the way he has in that offense is is, is been good. Obviously, it's a massive blow for King. Um, as, as you said, this is his super senior year. He came back because of the ACL injury that he lost most of the year for. And he's had some really torrid injury luck in college. And this was a big year for him. Even before the season started, he was one of the top guys in, in, in school because obviously it's his experience and how he had performed up, and up to this stage. And the expectation was big, obviously, not only for him personally, but for, for Miami and and then for his for his draft stock and, and his Heisman, he was he was in conversation for the Heisman, and and the way some of the people around him have performed as well, he had he would have had an opportunity, and and just like that, it's done. Three games, and 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 his his college career is over now. He's not he won't be coming back again. He's he already redshirt. I think he redshirted his final year at Houston, uh, potentially because of injury again. And I'm not 100 percent sure if it was because of injury, but. He, he he missed a lot of time in Houston and obviously decided to transfer to Miami, lost a lot of the last three or four games of Miami last season. And now he's he's done again after only three games. So his draft stock is really up in the air now. I, I think you, you, you're potentially looking at him as a as a mid to late round quarterback now because just of that, that, that injury history. And it's a shame because the talent is there and he, he's shown that in, in last year. He's shown it in his third year. Technically, his second year for Houston because he sat out most of. He was a backup for the most of his his freshman year in Houston. So yeah, it's it's a real shame. He he's a, he's a dynamic player and all the best, obviously, for his recovery. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens to his draft stock now because it could go anyway. People could look at the potential and take a take a punt on him. But you got to remember, six six years he's been in college now with his obviously his, his freshman his redshirt freshman year and, and this super senior year he, he's going to be an older guy going into the NFL draft an older injury prone quarterback that that has missed a chunk of the last couple of years it's yeah it it, it, it could really go anyway for him unfortunately yeah i mean you mentioned the Heisman this weekend was pretty brutal for many of the Heisman contenders do you want to talk some Heisman now or do you want to do it after the injury corner let's get through the injury corner and then we can uh, then we'll uh... Have a little Heisman watch. Heisman watch. Excellent. I, I like that. So Michael Penix Jr. is out indefinitely with a shoulder injury after separating it in last week's loss to Penn State. He is listed week to week currently. He did have a bye week to get right, but faces a tough trip at Michigan State next week, who are absolutely humming right now. So not the easiest of games to come back against that Michigan State defense. No, no, not at all. And he's another guy. He's had a lot of injury problems and in his final year, not what he would have wanted. Hopefully he's not out for too long, but 
I'd say he's going to be he's going to be missing a few weeks if it's a separated shoulder. If he has to have surgery, that could be another guy who's done for the year. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, somebody who was hugely on our radar was LSU's Keishon Butte, who was carted off the field in the loss to Kentucky with an apparent ankle injury, which he suffered in a highlight reel catch coming down awkwardly. He is set to miss the remainder of the season following the injury. This is massive news for Keishon Butte and LSU, respectively. Yeah, definitely. He was having a fantastic season following on from his freshman year last year. He's all... All the reports are saying he's done for the year. It came out a couple of hours ago. Obviously, the injury happened on Saturday, but it, it was reported a couple of hours ago that he's going to miss the remainder of the year. And that's a massive blow for an LSU team that, that were already struggling three and three on the year. Uh, Arigion is looking in trouble. Um, this is a long way from that national championship team that we saw in 2019. I, I think I looked at, I think I saw earlier that, that, that he's eight and eight since that national, that since that national title, surely it's only a matter of time before he's out the door. If things don't drastically improve, but they just don't look, they just don't look good. And now that losing their top wide receiver, they're in, they're in a whole world of hurt at the moment. Yeah. I, you, you hit the nail completely square on the head there. Ultron's job is, it's only a matter of time now, if you ask me. They've lost Boutte. And I think the next bit of news is that Derek Stingley is also out indefinitely after undergoing foot surgery, which he injured in practice at the end of September. He's missed the last two games. But I'm I'm fairly sure that this is the last time we see Derek Stingley now. I think this is it to the end of the season. Then he declares and, and joins the NFL. So not only have they lost their star wide receiver, they're now lost possibly the best corner in the league at the moment. So tough times yeah. for LSU. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be let's be honest, Dingley's not got anything more to prove from his personal resume. I can't see him coming back and and risking his risking his health when he's got the 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 draft to look forward to. And obviously, this injury might derail it slightly. I think he's still locked in as a first round, but maybe the the top five expectation that people had for him it might be a, a reach now depending on what this foot injury is and how long he's out for but yeah i mean he, he should still be a lock as one of the top cornerbacks in the in the draft this year next year it, it could be a Caleb Farley situation all over again with his yeah with his missed year and last year at Vartek and then obviously he fell down the draft board to the Cowboys did he get drafted by the Cowboys i can't remember uh, no Titans wasn't it Caleb Farley yeah i think you might be right actually either way yeah Titans has he has he has he taken to the field this season, or is he still? Uh, let's have a look. I am on him now. Yes, he has played. He's made two tackles and one pass defended. The game on Sunday, yesterday, was his first appearance against Jacksonville. Oh. I don't imagine he was named a starter with only two tackles and one pass defended either. So, I can't imagine so. It could well be a Farley situation for Stingley, which not isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world because. As as we've seen, if you pick up an injury but tend to turn out okay, you and you fall on the draft in the first round, you tend to go to a decent first team rather yeah. than somebody who's got an early pick. So it could work out for Derek Stingley there. Texas A&M quarterback King, Haynes King is unlikely to return this year after fracturing his ankle in week two of the season. It was expected that King would be out till mid to late October. However, that is already looking unlikely. And with Zach Calzada doing what he did at the weekend... Who knows? Although it was it was a tough one because that week one loss, uh, week one game, sorry, where Haynes King exited, he hadn't exactly lit it up, and it was as we've mentioned, it was a quarterback battle right until game one of the season. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and, and to be fair, up until this weekend, Calzada also wasn't looking great. So it's uh, it's a blow for him personally, for Haynes, Haynes King. Uh, but as you say, it was a close battle and yeah, he, he's done for the year, but he is a, he's a freshman. He's um, so he's got plenty of time to recover and come back. If he can win the job back from, uh, from Calzada, because I think Calzada's a sophomore, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Just going to uh, pull into speculation station here, Ash. And um, how about this is why Zach Calzada played well this week because he knew finally that King wasn't going to be challenging for his job again. I mean, it's not 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 a bad shout, but I mean, I mean you'd, have thought, you'd have thought you'd have thought if King was breathing <laughs> like if, if King was still there breathing down his neck, you'd have thought he would have, he would have probably put it on in the in the last couple yeah. of games. But I like it. I like I like the thought process. I'm I'm, I'm not on board though. I'm getting I off mean, the train. Everything I've heard to today and watched from the highlight reel, Texas A&M did a whole bunch of stuff that they hadn't done all season when playing Alabama yeah. this week and just yeah. shell-shocked them. But it's, it's um, yeah, imagine if that was true. That would be a, that would be a catch and real thing for me right there. And moving on, another quarterback, Penn State, Sean Clifford. He was injured in the second quarter of the loss to Iowa on Saturday. Did not return after he took a monster hit. He was seen with his arm in a wrap. The guy coming in whose name... I cannot remember. I thought today. I thought I'll remember this name. It's a very the backup at Penn State. The the oh, uh, Quan Robertson. Yes, I thought that name. I'll remember that because it's unusual. And there I am, blank as always on the podcast. <laughs> but I mean, you've got the guy down at um, is it Kentucky? Willis did he did he leave Penn State to to take on the starting role at Kentucky? Can't remember off the top of my head. I think he did. And yeah, that that's. One of those things that's proven this week is having a secondary quarterback is massively important. And now with you know name, image, and likeness, and the transfer portal being used mid-season, if you're not getting a starting gig and you want to go start, you just jump ship. And Will yeah, Levis, so. Will, Will Levis, Levis. Is here on about. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I said Willis, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, it's yeah. one and the same. Yeah, Will Levis. Um, he is currently balling out at the undefeated. Kentucky Wildcats and Penn State, are they now thinking, you know, we should have tried harder to, but it, it's the player's prerogative to find somewhere to play. And we've seen it at Wisconsin and we've seen it at so Oklahoma this week. You know, they've found, they knew what they, they knew what they wanted and in calling for Rattler to be benched. And this week it, it turned out to be true. And do we see Spencer Rattler jump ship now? I mean, we're, we're diving all over the place and we haven't touched on Sean Clifford at all here, but yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see how long Clifford's out for, and uh, we'll we'll get into it in the results. But that that massively affected Penn State in the in the game when he when he left. So yeah, tricky one. Oregon running back CJ Vidal was out for the rest of the season after the left leg injury he suffered in last week's loss to Stanford. That is a huge blow for Oregon and George. I mean, George has now lost the uh, Oregon running back in Vidal and also. Sean Boutte in the showdown. So that five and oh, that five and one now start. George is looking pretty cagey, mate. You're lucky I lost this week. <laughs> I mean, props, props to Tommy. He beat me on a on a poor week. So you got to win, got to win your battles. And then finally, Maryland wide receiver Dante Demas Jr. is also done for the season with a knee injury. Demas will undergo surgery for the injury, but we are yet to hear if it was an ACL or not. So that's that's bad news for the Terrapins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. AP rankings time, Ash. I'll tell you what, let's before we get to the rankings, let's do a little bit of Heisman talk. 
Okay. We, we saw loads of people dive out of the rankings this week. De'Eric King, as mentioned, um, several other people whose names have escaped me right now. But then you've got the likes of players, Ohio, Ohio State's quarterback, CJ Stroud, who's, if you want to go get him now, I don't know if this is true, but as of this morning, he was 15-1 to 1 to win the Heisman. And when you're looking around, is there another quarterback you fancy more than CJ Stroud right now? Bryce Young? I don't know. At the minute, Stroud is third favourite. So Bryce Young is still narrowly favourite in the in the overalls. Matt Corral is second. Um, who is my who is my current pick? I I I pick him over Young as the as the Heisman. Then you've got Stroud Stroud who's in third, um, and then Kenneth Walker. Uh, the running back from Michigan State is actually four favorite at the moment. He's having a blistering season and he racked up 200 plus yards again this weekend. So he jumped right up in the odds. And then, of course, you've got the, the freshman Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State, B. John Robinson. A lot of running backs this year. It, it, it'd be very, it'd, it'd be nice to see another year without a quarterback. Obviously, we had, we had, um, Devonta Smith last year as the wide receiver. It'd be nice to get another running back as the uh, as the Heisman. I think Derek Henry was the last one to win it. So Correct. could we see a, another another running back win the Heisman? But I'd say those three quarterbacks as it stands at the moment, and you've got to include Ritter in that conversation as well, actually. How can I forget him? Those three quarterbacks are probably still the favourites and, and will remain the favourites for the rest of the year. What I find very interesting is Rattler and JT Daniels are still... I know Rattler is definitely still in the top 10 in the Heisman odds. And I think JT Daniels is still hanging around. He has dropped off significantly, but I think he's still hanging around in, in relatively decent odds when you look at it as a comparison. But... Mm. We're already narrowing it down now, realistically, to, I'd say, maybe five or six. Yeah. I mean, Sam Howe's gone, DJ's gone, Rattler's gone, but he's still hanging around. There's just so many players. I mean, Kenneth Walker, he he broke off the longest play in Michigan State history, 94 yards, I think. Took my my thing from later when we talked about the game. Thanks very much. Soz, mate. That's oh, sorry, just, that was yeah. one. I got two for the Michigan State game, so you're all right. I'll let you That's off. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I I really like CJ Stroud. I think I think the thing with Bryce Young is uh, with Alabama getting beat, it's not necessarily that they got beat, but it's they showed in this is the second game this season that they looked vulnerable. Both were on the road, and I think with just how good CJ Stroud's playing, yes, they've lost as well, but he threw for. What five. was it? Three touchdowns and over five, th- five touchdowns. Yeah. No, I mean in the Oregon game, he threw. Oh, for, sorry, sorry. Yeah, three. I thought you meant yeah. this weekend. Yeah, but it was yeah. nearly it was nearly five hundred yards, I think, in the Oregon game and mm-hmm. three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So that in itself is no shame. And then Matt Corral, yes, he's he's got to be up there. But Ole Miss lost to Bama last weekend or the weekend before now, and then Bama lose. So yeah, so Adam Ole Ole Miss should have probably got closer against Bama when you consider what. A Texas A&M team who, up until this week, looked bang average, did to Bama, and yes, it was shell shock. But CJ Stroud for me, I don't know if he is still fifteen to one, but if he, you can't he on a bit now, but on Skybet you can't back Heisman winners anymore. They've taken the market away. Oh, so boring. I'm just having a look at the schedules remaining for the uh, for the for those for those three in particular. So Bama have still got Miss State, Tennessee, LSU, New Mexico. Still got a game against Arkansas and Auburn to finish the year out. So 
it is Bama. Last this week was a shock. Are we going to see him drop another game? I don't think so. But there's some difficult games in that schedule. Mississippi, Ole Miss have still got Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Liberty, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and um, <laughs> and, uh, and Mississippi State. So again, there are some tough fixtures in that one. And then. I mean, to be fair, actually, Ohio State could have the, the most difficult schedule remaining, looking at it. Indiana next week, who are no pushovers, despite the fact they're not having the best year. Penn State the following week. Nebraska is, is should, and Purdue should be gimmies, but they finished the year against Michigan State and Michigan. So mm-hmm. all three of them have some tough games remaining on their schedule. And I think if, if Stroud can continue to... Sorry, if Stroud can... Words, if Stroud can continue to put up those numbers that he has done against those teams, you're probably going to see him get to the get to be the favorite. If he can pull off against that Penn State defense, against that Michigan State defense, and the way they've been playing, Indiana have got a good defense. Michigan, they had a, an interesting week, but still won, and they're right, they're having a good year. Yeah, he could he could well be in with a really, really good shout more so than, than third favorite. Uh, he could, yeah, it could, could be his to lose. I think the Penn State quarterback conundrum as of right now is hugely important for that Ohio State game because yeah. I think the Buckeyes' defence is good enough to to overwhelm the second-string quarterback at Penn State and then CJ Stroud won't have to be the hero of the day in that one. And then last game against Michigan, it, it could be a point where they're going there with only one loss and Michigan's running is brutal so that game could could almost mean nothing by then so looking at the latest odds as of this present moment corral and young are both tied at two to one and then cj stroud is at six to one now so wow. he has narrowed it down i'm not surprised corral is now equal favorite with how how he played this weekend and yeah. how alabama lost bryce young wasn't terrible in that game but he wasn't he wasn't exceptional um, and then yeah, you've got Kenneth Walker, who's fourth favourite at sixteen to one, and Ritter tied with him at sixteen to one. So yeah, interesting. Should be a should be a good Heisman year once again, as it always is, of course. I, I think it's going to be a good year for college football as, as a whole. Actually, the way it's started so far, Definitely. I mean, what a unpredictable. Year to, yeah, what a year to jump into the hot seat with your good self. <laughs> the AP rankings, Ash. I've got the hang of this now. We started twenty five, we do five each. Do you want to go first or second? Um, I will go first. So at 25 is the Texas Longhorns, 24 San Diego State, 23 SMU, 22 NC State, and at 21 Texas A&M, who are back in the rankings after, of course, beating Bama that we mentioned earlier. So no, there's no real surprises for me in this one. I think Texas have, have hung on. To their uh, to their rankings after that game that we'll get into a bit more details later <laughs> against Oklahoma, but I, I think what are they four and two now? They they dropped two games. Yeah, because they lost to Texas. Tech. Lost to, oh, they lost, Texas. Um, Arkansas. They lost Arkansas. They lost Arkansas. I knew. So I'd get I mean, that. yeah, you could probably still they probably still should be in there. I'm just trying to see who is just on the outside. I mean. Auburn, Clemson, Baylor. Would you put any of those ahead of them who are, who are closest to them? 
probably not. Maybe Auburn is 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 probably the closest for me. It could be a toss up between Texas and Auburn at the moment of who gets twenty five. But I mean, Baylor are playing well. Baylor are playing well. Yeah, Baylor are playing well. But you've got to, I think you've got to take into account the the conference that they're in uh, is is not again overly competitive this year on the face of it outside of a couple of teams. So um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I would still probably put them as the fourth best if you look at who's 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 in the rankings and who's just missing out. I think, but Auburn, Auburn, Baylor, and, and possibly Clemson are the three that you could say maybe should be there with or above um, Texas. Texas A and M, are they up there uh, because of the the victory? Um, yes. yes, definitely. That's the only because again, they're, they're they're another four and two team. And, and there's a couple of teams undefeated below them that, that you could probably argue should be ahead of them. But, you, I mean, they beat Alabama. They beat the number one team this weekend. You can't you can't take much away from them. Yeah, that's going to do a whole lot for your ranking right there in itself. Right at 20, we've got Florida. 19, BYU, who slide after their loss. 18, Arizona State. 17, Arkansas. And 16, Wake Forest, who continue to be unbeaten in the ACC and general football life. I didn't get... Arkansas wrong, Ash. I got it right. You did, yeah. I mean, this this list, these five. I think it's. it's... Uh, I think BYU are very fortunate. I know they were ten. This is their first loss of the year. I think they're fortunate to still be in the top twenty. To be honest with you, um, but they did not look good, good at all against Boise. Which I mean, Boise haven't looked fantastic this year. It was a great game, but I think they're fortunate to be where they are, and I think because of how well they started the year has done them a favour as to keeping them where they are. I can't really argue with any of the others. Again, Arkansas have got two losses on their schedule now. However, the way they've played up until the last two games, you could you could probably argue that they should still be there. Yeah, Wake Forest, fantastic. That is beyond any expectation I had for them to be <laughs> to, to be six and zero. To be undefeated six games into the year for for, for Wake Forest is, is a great achievement in itself. And I mean, they don't look like they're letting up at all. So, I mean, we got to they're, they're they're a dark horse at the moment for the. Uh, I mean, not even a dark horse at the moment. They they've got to be favourite, haven't they, for the for the ACC based on on what's around them? Are yeah. they not the are they not the highest ranked or are they the only ACC team no sorry North NC State are in there as well but their highest ranked ACC team left in there they, they I mean they are as, as it stands the best team in the ACC which is crazy to think yeah yeah and if you go and look at Wake Forest schedule I can't remember off the top of my head but I think between now and and their next three games they could they're not they're not the hardest of games for Wake so I think they could possibly be 9-0 and <sighs> before their first test Army next week uh, sorry, bye week this week. Army following week. Wake uh, Duke or at the end of October, and then they've got North Carolina. So yeah, I mean, they, they, then they've got three tough games: NC State, <laughs> Clemson, and Boston College. So big game that NC State and the Clemson game. Like that, but as you say, they they could easily be nine and zero by that point because I mean, North Carolina haven't looked haven't looked great, have they? So yeah. you should you should at the moment expect them to uh, be able to see themselves through that game. And I think but, if they can win, if they can win one of those three after that as well, you're looking, mm. you know, eleven and one's an unbelievable record for Wake this year. Yeah, definitely crazy. If that happens, I mean, that will just that will be beyond all expectations. 
Um, on to 15 to 11. At 15 is Coastal Carolina, who continue to remain undefeated. 14 is Notre Dame. 13 is the aforementioned Ole Miss, who we discussed earlier. At 12 is Oklahoma State, who remain perfect at 5 and 0. And at 11 is Kentucky, who oversaw LSU this weekend and also remain perfect at 6 and 0. So, again, Kentucky, another team you've got to watch out for in the SEC. We've obviously got the likes of Bama and Georgia who are fighting out for the uh, for the top team in the SEC. I think at this week, at this point, we know who the top team is. But yeah, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky are right there with Ole Miss and and um, Ole Miss and Arkansas at the moment. It's going to be a very interesting fight for the uh, for the SEC um, the SEC title outside of those two teams. One of these teams could easily get in if Bama if Bama. If Bama slip another game, which I mean, it, it, it's probably un, unlikely, but not without <laughs> not not completely unrealistic. One of these teams could quite easily go. Yeah, cool. We'll we'll take that. I think yeah. Kentucky. I think Kentucky are in the same conference as Georgia. So if, unless they play each other, which they do next this week, they play each other. Wow, cool. They play each other this week. <laughs> if can you imagine if Kentucky beat Georgia this week? That would be absolutely madness. So but, I mean, I, I can't I can't see it, but it, we've got to take we've got to give them some credit. There's they're six and zero for a reason. So and their last two their last two wins have been Florida, and yeah. then this week they beat LSU. LSU, so yeah, they're, exactly. They're beating I mean, teams. Yeah, I mean LSU aren't ranked right now, but Florida are twentieth, but. Those are the big scalps for a Kentucky side. And then if yeah. they can run Georgia close, I mean, even if they run Georgia close next week, but other teams above them and around them lose as well, they could rise on performance alone from just that result. Yeah, definitely. They could, yeah, they could easily rise if they have a good game. I, I mean, in, in the actual SEC title um, point of view, they, they, they would need to beat Georgia to be able to get to the title game because obviously they're in the same conference. But I mean... The other uh, the SEC West is is wide open with that with that Bama loss now. Bama yeah. obviously still remain top at five or one, but Ole Miss are at four and one, and then you've got a handful of teams who are who are at four wins and and two losses. So, yeah, SEC could be uh, SEC West in particular could be very interesting. So at ten we got Michigan State at nine's Oregon, eight is Michigan, seven Penn State, and then at six the Buckeyes. Ash, any of these. So the Big Ten has got a representation here, <laughs> um, yeah. Between six and eight, with Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Yeah. Do you think that Michigan are below, perhaps, where they should be because they are undefeated? Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan or have Michigan lost? No, no, Michigan haven't lost, but they were poor this weekend. I'm surprised to see them above Michigan State. Are you? Okay. I, I I would flip those two. I would probably still say at this moment they should both be top ten. You could probably argue Kentucky. I I would personally have Michigan State at eight and maybe Kentucky above Michigan. Michigan didn't look great this weekend um, against uh, Nebraska. They just they just squeaked past that Nebraska team who have looked poor for a lot of the year. But they are still undefeated. I think so. They are deservedly in 
in and around where they should be. Personally, I would have them just outside the top ten, based on that. Based on that one performance, up until that point, they they you've got to give them credit. They've looked good. I mean, the Rutgers game a couple of weeks ago, uh, twenty thirteen. Rutgers have had a a good defense this year so far, but you would expect, still expect them to put more than twenty points up against that Rutgers team. But apart from that, they've they've looked they've looked pretty good. They 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 saw over Wisconsin quite comfortably last week. So they are they are there or thereabouts where they should be. I think Michigan State can feel a bit unfortunate to be where they are because they've looked fantastic. Again, is it because of the teams that they've been facing? Potentially, they played Rutgers this week and 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 saw it off them quite easily. Western Kentucky, but they beat they've beat Miami. They've beat Northwestern, who are having a torrid year, but they beat Northwestern to open the year for a Northwestern were a team that we were expecting the big things from. But they've got a couple of of easy games on their schedule, so that's probably why they are at ten and not higher. What I love though is that there's five Big Ten teams in there, and it's the first time in AP history since 1936 when it first started that there's been five teams from the Big Ten in the top ten. So they're getting the representation, which is good to see. And I think from a from a Big Ten standpoint overall, it's another conference where the one of the one of the divisions is wide open. Big Ten West is Iowa's to lose. They are perfect. The teams around them are not great. You've got Minnesota and Purdue who are next nearest, and they're they're both at three and two. Iowa have locked up the Big Ten West. They're going to be at the title game, barring an absolute catastrophe. Big Ten East is as wide open as it could be. You've got the perfect Michigan and Michigan State at six and zero. Oh. You've got Ohio State at five at one. You've got Penn State at five and one. And you've even got Maryland, who are still sat at four and two, and are in for a shout because all those teams above them are playing each other, and Maryland are playing some of those teams as well. And you've got Indiana, who are at two to two to three, very unlikely, but they're still they're still knocking on the door with the amount of games that are left if things go their way. So Big Ten East is is wide open. Any one of these teams could win it. I can't argue. I can't argue with any of that. I was trying to come up with a with a rebuttal there, but I just I had nothing. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. It's we'll, we'll get on to. Uh, are you doing the top five? Yes, mate. Okay, let's have the top five because obviously okay. the first one's a bit of a shocker. The first one, yeah, is a shocker. Bama have come in at number five with a five to one record after that loss this weekend to Texas A&M. At four is Oklahoma State, who got that big comeback victory in the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma, sorry, Oklahoma. <laughs> at three, okay. I'm loving this. Cincinnati are at number three with their perfect start to the year. I mentioned it. Uh, Pop before I went off two weeks ago that they should have been in, in the top four then. I am so happy to see them in the top four now. At two is Iowa, who, again, we mentioned earlier, looked for a lot for the Big Ten West and more than more than deserve, in my opinion, to be sat at number two. And at number one, the new number one ranked team in the country is Georgia with their perfect six and oh. And I find it interesting that one and two have the first and second best defences in the league, in, in the country at the moment. I think that says a lot um, about, about, the, uh, about the state of play of college football at the moment, that the top two defences are, are one and two. It's because defences have been allowed to, to play defence in practice before the season. We saw it last year. There was absolutely no contact in practice because of COVID and defences couldn't get a handle on the game mm-hmm. this season. 
practice makes perfect. And as you said, the best two defences are at the top and it's because defences, good defences in college football win football matches. And the way Iowa especially are playing on defence is, is unbelievable. Their turnover ratio is frightening. Their field position when starting drives is absolutely horrendous for the opposition because of how well they're playing. And I still, I still want Georgia's defense over Iowa, but like you said, those yeah. two are a fire right now. And Cincinnati, if you'd have said this top four at the start of the season, we're missing Clemson, we're missing the Buckeyes, you know, we're missing Bama from the top four. Only Georgia Crazy. would have been the top four. And of those teams I mentioned, there's no way you've got Georgia at one. Absolutely no way you've got Georgia at one. Ash, I'm going to steal a stat from you here. It is the first time since 2008 that Georgia have been the number one in the poll. It's also the 16th time overall at the number one position. And the first time they've been the unanimous number one. Mm-hmm. That's bananas. That it's that's the first the, time. Yeah, that's the craziest one for me, that they've never been the unanimous number one, which basically means they've been ranked one, but they've been tied with the team in second for, for the amount of votes that they received. That's crazy. A team like mm-hmm. Georgia have never been the unanimous number one. Yeah, uh, right, so, right. They fully, fully deserve to be there. They have been lights out every single week. Even when they take their foot off the gas, they still look like they could, they could take on anybody. I, I, I wish we would. Uh, we're probably going to see it in the SEC for, title match, but I wish. Georgia and Alabama were playing in the regular season. That would be that would be incredible. We're probably going to see it in the in the SEC title game though. So hopefully we still get to see that this year. Um, but Georgia have got a an interesting couple of games. I fully expect them to come through both of them. But they face Kentucky this weekend, which is a massive game for that mm-hmm. conference and that division. They then have Florida to close out October, and then the end of the year. It gets a little bit easier for them. They've got Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, and Georgia Tech. So, realistically, they get through these two games unscathed. They could well have a perfect record, and they probably should have a perfect record. I can imagine we're going to be looking back at this week and and, and see it. Sorry, this in six weeks' time, seeing Georgia at the top with a twelve and zero record. That'd be very. I think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Kentucky next week. But we said that about Arkansas two weeks ago and Georgia shut them out 37-0. So, yeah. yeah, I learned, I've learned my lesson very clearly there, Georgia. I apologise, Tom. <laughs> go dogs. Ash, you mentioned records. A number of records were broken this weekend. Yeah, and they all relate to Bama, um, who had a number of their streaks broken and probably... No Bama fan wants to hear any of these, but the the loss to Texas A&M not only put them down to fifth and outside of the playoffs, but it's the first time in a hundred wins that there was they won a hundred. They had a hundred wins in a row against unranked oppositions for loss to Texas A&M. They also lost their nineteen straight victories, which the last time they lost was against Auburn in November twenty nineteen. And also Nick Saban lost his perfect record against his former assistants. He was twenty four and zero before the game against Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. His twenty fifth game against an assistant, and he has finally lost one. It's just all of those absolutely bananas numbers crazy aren't they it's it's just mind-boggling how those numbers can get so big especially when the amount of people in college football have been in the Saban coaching tree and stuff it's 
just shows how dominant they've been for the last decade though hasn't it i think he went i think he's been in charge at 2007 so yeah over a decade i think it was 2007 he took over them so yeah over a decade of dominance almost from them now and uh, have we seen the end of it probably not i mean yes they (laughs) slipped up yes they slipped up against texas a&m but it was still a great game and, and they were still putting up to putting points up on the board and they still have some fantastic fantastic talent not only starting but waiting to come out uh that they're, they're still going to be in this conversation i wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the top four by the end of the year because iowa cincinnati and oklahoma one of those teams could easily drop a point drop a game one of those teams lose their perfect record Alabama are right back in the top four without a shadow of a doubt. No one's jumping over them if they don't lose another game and one of those teams lose above them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pressure looking down. That's yeah. Those teams above. Right, Ash, we've got a whole load of ball to talk about. Not a lot of time to do it in. Let's dive through some results. And uh, do you think we should run through these real quick and then talk about the four games that we've highlighted just because they were so good? Yeah, I think so. That sounds good to me. Okay, start with the ACC as always. Georgia Tech beat Duke 31-27. Virginia won a close one against Louisville 34-33. Florida State got an upset win against North Carolina 35-25. Wake, as we mentioned, stay unbeaten in a 40-37 win over Syracuse. And my Virginia Tech Hokies lost a close one to Notre Dame 32-29 in a game they could have won. Yeah, they, I think Virginia can feel real fortunate to uh, to be walking away from that game as a as the losers. It was a it was a very close game and another game that Notre Dame have taken it right up to the edge. I mean, I think if we if we look at their results this year, they won like most of their. I think they've won or lost almost all of their games by I want to say by a score. I think Purdue last week was by a couple. So okay. They lost to Cincinnati. Yeah, no. So they lost by they lost by three points this week. They lost by eleven points last week to Cincinnati. They dominate Wisconsin. They won by two scores against Purdue. They only beat Toledo by three points, and they only beat Florida State by three points. So three of their six games this year, they've won by three points. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Look at considering how Notre Dame were last year to see them to see them. I wouldn't say struggle because they still won all those games. They've ground them out, but to see them not be as dominant as they were last year against these teams is, is so surprising. Yeah. I mean, we've got to talk about Wake Forest. Uh, not Wake Forest, sorry, we've already spoken about it. Florida State and North Carolina. What has happened to North Carolina? Oh, I mean, God. <laughs> we were... Like, you, you think about North Carolina and how many seniors they returned on their offensive line, and that was how they were going to dominate the ACC, and it's just been the complete opposite. That that offensive line is horrendous. Uh, mm-hmm. We were obviously concerned about the weapons that Howell had around him. I think he's done an, a good job with what he's had around him. Ty Chandler is the running back. He's done all right, but he's nothing special. Josh Downs looks a great talent. I like Josh Downs a lot. But outside of him as the wide receiver, he they, there's, there's, there's a spurt. There's there's a few players. There's no one that jumps out on the page of you. There's no one that you can rely on week in, week out. And I think Sam Howell has still put up decent numbers considering that offensive line that's in front of him. He gets no time. He gets he gets hit far too much. We've gone through it plenty of times already this year. He is but he must be hurting every single game. Yeah. Like it absolute 
absolute agony. You can tell as well. I think the expectation for him this year was so high. I think he was going to falter no matter what. He had his best um, passing pass rating last year at, I think, like 68 or 69%, which was up about 7% from his first year in under center with, with North Carolina. That was always expected to drop. I wouldn't have seen expected it to drop to 60%, which he's at, at the moment. But it's all to do, in my opinion, it's to do this offensive line. He's made some mistakes. His Some of his decision-makings have not been the best, but... I think he's just getting no time to no time to make a decision. He's having to react on the fly and under pressure. And I think considering how they've played in front of him, I think he's doing a okay job for a team that is underperforming. And their their defense is is, is in an absolute shambles. Like they they are they they haven't looked good at all this year, in my opinion. Barring last week when they played Duke and come on, it's Duke. You what there's no expectation in that game <laughs> so yeah the, i can't believe the drop off they were ranked 10th coming into the year and there was a real real big expectation on them and they have fallen flat on their face more so than people had expected considering what they'd lost did, did you see what mac brown said in his in his interview after the game i haven't no what did he say so he basically came out and said that the media got it all wrong he said you were expecting us to be a top 10 team and we're not that good you know, it was all you that got that wrong and basically said that the team, it didn't try and get behind the team by the sounds of it. He's just said that we're not good enough and you guys are wrong. It's not us who's wrong. The media got it wrong. And it's like, mm, not sure, Mac. I'm not sure. If he'd have turned, if if they'd have been on a if they'd have been perfect on the year and ranked four or five in playoff contention, he would have had the absolute opposite reaction, wouldn't he? We go, oh, you you only put us ten, and the way we played last year and what we had and what we've got now, blah blah blah. It's all coach talk. They're all going to do it. Come on, yeah. you, you're going to, aren't you? So yeah, I'm not surprised to hear him say that. Should we move on to the big time? Let's do it. Starting off with Ohio State, they beat Maryland 66-17. CJ Stroud put up the five touchdowns that we mentioned earlier. Trayvon Henderson is looking oh, just so good in his <laughs> freshman year. His true freshman, and I, I've you, you can see why he's he was the ranked number one running back coming in from high school, and it just gets better and better every week. Master T's getting getting the scraps at the end of the game. I think he had four touches this week, and that's with Mayan Williams out hurt. Once Mayan Williams is back in, Master T's a, a non-factor. I think you'll probably see you'll probably see Henderson maybe drop a few touches. I think Mayan Williams will come back in and, and get a little bit of work. But this is this is Henderson's back, back room now. He owns this back room, barring an absolute... Barring an injury, I'd say. That's the only way he's going to lose this back room. Michigan State, who we mentioned earlier, beat Rutgers 31-13. Wisconsin held uh, Illinois to a shutout, beating them 24-0. Iowa State beat Penn State 23-20. That was the third and fourth ranked teams of last week up against each other. And Michigan, who we mentioned earlier, narrowly beat out Nebraska 32-29. Now, one of these games is in our game of the week, so we won't get into that one yet. We've Briefly discuss Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State. So, is there anything else you want to talk about in the Big Ten? Because I could talk about Ohio State all night, and you know that, <laughs> but I don't want to. But all I'll say is, yeah, what we said: CJ Stroud, unbelievable. Yeah, two, 
got the two best right wide receivers in the league and uh, and you know my love for Trayvon Henderson. So I think it's just right now though. I think that if if they'd have beaten Oregon in that in that loss, then we'd have been talking about I think Ohio State would be one now ahead of Georgia just because of the numbers they've put up. Yeah, I would say so as well. But I, I, not only because of the numbers they've put up, but I think the fact that where they were right to start the year, unless a team loses like Bama have and like Ohio did early on, you won't see them drop below a team that was ranked below them if they're both undefeated. It just it rarely happens. So yeah, you're right. They're going to be kicking themselves even more for that Oregon game. But they were so poor on defense, and I'll be honest with you, their defense still doesn't look great. That I, I was, the, the, I watched the Maryland game, and there's still times where they're so that they just some of the. I wouldn't say they seem lost, but they're just the, they lose coverages. They, they there's far too many gaps in the backfield. Secondary is our problem. Secondary was our problem last year, and it seems to be the same again this year. I do worry if we make it to the playoffs, are we going to have a one and done game? Probably if if we if if we're not careful, but. At the moment, that is all. It's all defenses in the top, and, and then Desmond Ritter. So maybe not. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, the only other thing for those five games is Wisconsin holding Illinois to scoreless. When, yeah. I, although, but then you look at some of the metrics. Wisconsin are top five, top three in quite a lot of the defensive metrics across across the board this year. So that's no surprise. But how badly they've been playing recent to, to hold Illinois. Mm. I mean, Illinois aren't a firepower team, but. Still held them, held them to under a hundred yards. Which to do that to any college team is no is no mean feat. And Graham Mertz didn't look good on the day, but he has had he's still hurt. There, he there was there was uh, we weren't sure if we were going to see him in the game at all anyway. And you could tell watching him that he was playing hurt. What I will say though is we mentioned about Jalen Berger and the other lads who have been released from the program. I just looked at the Wisconsin running stats. They still had two guys who put up over 100 yards rushing each. They put, they had, um, what's his name? They had uh, Braylon Allen, who put up 131 yards and a touchdown, and Chesma Lucy, who put up 145 yards and a touchdown. So good job that Mertz, well, I wouldn't say good job, but Mertz had a little rest basically in this game. <laughs> Let's just give it to the running backs. Let them run the ball. Mertz can throw it every so often and, and we'll, we'll, we'll give him a rest, but we'll still play him. So that seems to be what happened in that game. Yeah, there's only three games to talk of in the Big 12 this week. Uh, we'll get to one of them in a little bit. That is the Oklahoma-Texas game. West Virginia got hammered 45-20 by Baylor. The West Virginia team, uh, after a good game in the week one, then they got a couple of wins. West Virginia have lost three on the bounce now, I think, in, a, in all sorts of bother. So not a good start for the Mountaineers there. TCU beat Texas Tech 52-31 in the third game in the Big 12. And that's a that's a big win for the Horned Frogs. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think TCU, TCU um, are another team that I had a bit more of expectation for coming into the year. And they, they've sort of left a little bit to de- be desired there. Mm. I think they're 3-2 on the year. They've had some close run games, but they've... They, 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 yeah, they've just, they just seem to have been missing something. And, and they turned it on this week against Texas Tech. And it was good to see. I think the, the two the two games they lost this year, obviously last week they lost to Texas in that in that thirty two twenty seven game that was a that was a great game to watch. And then the week before is probably the one for them that they'd be a bit disappointed in the the loss to SMU. But again, SMU ranked unbeaten. That's two tough tough losses. That's two yeah. tough games to to come 
tough to come through. They've got Oklahoma this week. That's that's a massive game for for them. Can't expect. I can't. I can't see them winning it. But um, what what I will, what I will say is, I think Max Duggan is is he, he he we need to see more from him. Basically, I think last year he 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 looked great, and this year. Yeah, it just seems to be it just seems to be a step off a step off at times. And also, um, what's their running back called? Zach Evans, the transfer. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people I think people expected a lot from him coming into the year. And at the moment, the offense does seem to be running through him and running through their run game as a whole. I think they had another running back this week that got nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns, with Zach Evans getting two touchdowns and 140 odd yards. So they're a run first offense at the moment. Baylor, though, that um their their quarterback, Jerry, is it Jerry Bohannon, I think is his name. He looked phenomenal this weekend. He looked great. And he's had a he's had a great year. And you mentioned them earlier that they can maybe feel a bit hard done by for for not being ranked. And to be honest, you're probably right. They've played I'm just trying to bring up their schedule to see who they've played. Obviously, they saw off West Virginia this week, who, who, who as you say, started the year well, but have fallen have fallen off quite considerably since then. Um, but they've beaten, I mean, they they beat Iowa State two weeks ago. They narrowly lost to Oklahoma State last week. That Oklahoma State game it'd be, could well be a massive kicker for them come the end of the year. That could be the one they look back at and go, yeah, if we'd have won that game, it could have been different. But... Mm. They've still got BYU to play this week, Texas to play the week after, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, yeah, Baylor, Baylor have, have done good, have done well to get these five wins under their belt now because they're this this next four, four weeks is going to be the make or break for them and their 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 Big Twelve title aspirations. Absolutely. So Pac-12, only the four games in the Pac-12 this week. First one, Oregon State faced up against Washington State. Washington State won this one 31-24. Utah went into Los Angeles and I believe beat them, beat USC at their home ground for the first time ever, I want to say. First time they've ever won in Los Angeles, 42-26. UCLA beat, well, my voice went my word then. UCLA (laughs) beat Arizona 34-16. And the final game in the Pac-12, Arizona State beat Stanford 28-10. Which is a, is a surprising result considering Stanford only um, only put one over on Oregon a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, that Utah that Utah um, USC game. I'm just quickly trying to find. I'm pretty sure I read earlier that this is the first time that they've won in Los Angeles, either ever or in uh, I don't know, like very long fifth, time, a really long time. I'm just, I just <laughs> swear I I seen it somewhere. I'm I'm positive. That, I, that, it, that it happens. Talk while I have a look. Well, they, they changed their quarterback, didn't they, Utah? They, they got the new guy in. Um, yeah, yeah. Brewer, Brewer left last week, didn't he? And, yeah, uh, Cam- left. Cameron Rising is the is the new quarterback. And Cameron him, Rising. Yeah, he had 300, 300 yards and three touchdowns this week. He looked great against, um, against USC. Let's have a look. And with the USC game, it is Drake London. And that's it, you know. Oh, <laughs> Drake London. He's unbelievable, but he can't do yes. it on his own. I mean, I knew. Go on, go sorry, Karen. No, carry on. No, I knew. I knew. I seen it. First win. Uh, they've snapped a hundred and six-year winless streak in Los Angeles. They are zero and eight. So they've only played in Los Angeles eight times in one hundred six years. 
<laughs> but they snapped a hundred and six year winless streak in Los Angeles. So so there we go. I knew I knew I seen it. That's every twelve years they play each other. Yeah. And it was oh, it was yeah. a it was it was quite a heartfelt game for them as well. So obviously this is the this is the first game they've played since um since Aaron Lowe was killed um that we, we mentioned two weeks ago. Yeah. Um so it was it was you there was tributes to him and also to Ty Jordan who who died in Christmas last year. There was tributes to both of those those guys before the game and you could tell this meant a lot to them after the game as well. Absolutely. I, I Stanford yeah, they beat Oregon, but Arizona State and no mugs and No, ranked at the moment. You've got a yeah. Jalen yeah. Daniels is is making a real case for the NFL next year. It's, yeah. In a, in a good year, it's a great it's a great time for him to be playing well, considering what's been going on around him. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Uh, right, the SEC, Arkansas, Ash, this cannot be a fifty-two all draw. It, no, it's not. Why, why have you put that? <laughs> why have you put it as fifty-two all? Come on, I don't know. I mean, I, you must have made a terrible mistake. I didn't make it. Ter- you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas lost fifty-one fifty-two to Ole Miss. Tennessee put 45 on South Carolina, who scored 20. Tennessee, the Vols are looking good. Hendon Hooker transferring over from Virginia Tech. That is a massive loss because Hooker is balling out right now. Let's hope he continues that next week. I think they've got a massive game against Ole Miss next week. They play Mississippi. It's either Tennessee are playing Mississippi or Mississippi State next week. So I literally looked at it like... 20 minutes ago and I can't remember. Yeah, they're playing, they're, yeah they're playing Ole Miss. Oh, wow. Tennessee's next four games. Ole Miss, away to Bama, away to Kentucky, home to Georgia. Yeah, see you later, Tennessee. Yeah, but they only need to have a shoot against Ole Miss this week. That would do me absolutely fine. <laughs> Florida beat Vanderbilt, as mentioned, 42 nothing. Georgia beat Auburn 34-10. Is that supposed to be? No, that's right, 34-10. Yep, okay. Uh, Missouri beat North Texas 48-35. LSU, as we've mentioned, lost to Kentucky 42-21. And then the Alabama-Texas A&M game finished 41-38 in favour of Texas A&M. We're going to talk about that one in a little bit. Group of five picks, Ash. Let's run through these quickly and get to our five yep. four. Uh, yeah, let's okay. do it. I've got a couple of things after we've done the group of five, and then we'll get onto them. But the group of five games: so ranked SMU beat Navy thirty-one twenty-four. Cincinnati third-ranked Cincinnati beat Temple fifty-two to three. We mentioned it earlier, but Boise State beat ranked BYU twenty-six seventeen. Liberty and Malik Willis beat Middle Tennessee forty-one thirteen. Nevada who is got my favourite quarterback in college at the moment, Carson Strong, beat New Mexico State 55-28. San Diego State beat New Mexico 31-7. And ranked Coastal Carolina beat Arkansas State 52-20. Now, I don't Ooh, have any... If, Ash, you just by saying Arkansas, you've reminded me. I looked it up, why it's written Arkansas, yeah. and it said Arkansas. And Go it's on. to do with the French inhabitants of it before it was colonized so but it's so people say well why doesn't kansas city get called uh consor not kansas but it's because kansas city has always been part of america whereas arkansas was french Ah, before being colonized love it I, i love i love when we bring facts onto the podcast and i love it even more when they aren't football related there you go. Nice. So before we move on to our focus games, 
I have some a few stats that I wrote down, and as we were going through the results, I completely forgot to talk about them. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the SEC one first because we've only just spoke about them. But Georgia, they have only allowed two touchdowns. Their defense has only allowed two touchdowns so far this year. I, that's crazy. We're six mm. games into season and that we know their defense is unbelievable but two touchdowns and some of the teams they've played mental my question to you is does oh. jt daniels get his job back from stetson bennett oh 100 percent, yeah i just think the way georgia are playing and the way stetson bennett we, i mentioned it earlier you know having that second quarterback we saw yeah. it last year stetson bennett probably isn't good enough to start a whole season as the starting quarterback of Georgia. And the way they're playing perfectly suits Stetson Bennett's game style, managing the games, let the defence do the work and wait till JT Daniels is fully healthy. Don't rush him back when you don't need to. Georgia don't need him back right now. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him come back this week and, as we mentioned before, absolutely blow the doors off Kentucky in a game that isn't a contest. So, yeah, I think he gets it back. I just think Kirby Smart's doing it bob on. Yeah. Uh, Stetson Bennett was was phenomenal this weekend, but oh yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, I think the the game the, the the game management from from the coaches and from what they've asked of Bennett has been has been fantastic, and he's done exactly what he needs to do, which is great. Michigan State, you mentioned earlier about Walker scoring the longest touchdown in Spartans history with that ninety four yard run. But they also became the fifth, only the fifth team in FBS history with 300-yard passer, 200-yard rusher, and 200-yard receiver in a single game. Quarterback Peyton Horn threw 340 yards. Kenneth Walker, who we mentioned earlier, rushed for 232 yards and a touchdown. And Jalen Naylor, who by who is looking phenomenal at the moment at wide receiver. Received got went for 221 receiving yards and three touchdowns. I mean, Michigan State's offense are looking incredible. I'm worried for Ohio State's defense <laughs> if Michigan State keep like generally Peyton Ford, Kenneth Walker, and Jalen Naylor in particular have looked incredible, incredible this season. Like, you, it's it's actually worrying. I think they are real dark horses for this Big Ten title. The way they're playing, I I I would expect them to beat anybody in the Big Ten, barring Iowa. And I would I would still say Ohio State because of our offense. I think our offense can overcome their offense in a shootout. But apart from that, I think they can overcome Penn State's defense. I think they can beat Michigan. I, they are looking great, like uh, generally. <laughs> and the other one, I I. I randomly come across it and I had to include it. University of Massachusetts, UMass, broke mm. their 16-game losing streak this week after they beat, also winless, <laughs> University of Connecticut, UConn, 27-13. Yeah. I mean, those two... We've, we've mentioned UConn far too much on this podcast the last few weeks and just how terrible they've been. But I had to bring them up again because UMass, a team that haven't won in 16 games... Going, well, that's what that's that two full. No, that's a full season and a couple and a few games. Yes, yeah, a long them. time. <laughs> yeah, beat them to end their winner streak. So I had to, I had to I had to quickly bring that up before we uh, before we moved on to our focus games. And I think I think if you go back and look after before that UMass win, I think the last win before that UMass win was aeons ago as well. I think yeah. they've had one win in a very very long time, 
yeah. which is which is yeah. madness. Rush Nation, we are going long today. We're not apologetic about it. Before we do, if you're still listening, thanks for checking us out. We appreciate it. Um, this is the second to last podcast on the Five Yard channel for a little bit. So if you're listening on that channel still, head over to Five Yard Rush, subscribe to that. And then on Wednesdays, as normal, the podcast will drop into your feed. If you are listening on Five Yard Rush and you are new to Five Yard College, welcome. We appreciate you listening. It doesn't do you or us any harm to tell your friends to check us out because what's the worst that's going to happen? You learn about players coming into fantasy for you next season. So check us out. Tell your friends to check us out. Keep listening. We appreciate it. But we're unapologetic about going long. Ash, first of our focus games, Bama, Texas A&M. This was an absolute barnstormer. Yeah, it really was. It's a phenomenal game. And Texas A&M did everything right. They 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 had their game plan. They knew what they needed to do and they executed it as well as anyone could expect. This is the first time in, in the last... Since Haynes King went down hurt that they got over 300 yards on, on offense. And Zach Calzada, as I said, he, he has not looked good up until this point, <laughs> those last two games. But on the day... Hurt as well. Hurt in the, I want to say, I can't remember if it was the fourth quarter or the third quarter, but he got hurt and he continued to play and he obviously led that final drive to win that, to, for them to score that field goal as time expired. And yeah, he, he was great. They, they game plan this game so well. The defence and special teams is what won this game for, for, for Texas. Their defence gave Bryce Young all sorts of problems for the whole game. Their specials team gave the gave um, Alabama special team issues. It was just such a such a great game for Texas A&M all rounds. They, as I say, it's not many people that have this game plan and can execute it as well as Texas A&M did against Alabama. Jimbo Fisher got at, absolutely everything right. Like it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's probably yeah. I mean, this would have surprised. Almost everybody, I'd say, in 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 the nation that, that Texas managed to get this victory, apart from um, apart from Jimbo Fisher. I, I said it earlier. I think this is a game plan that not only nobody's seen before, but it's almost as if Jimbo Fisher drew it up from scratch. Yeah. This week, it it's it's very rare we see Nick Saban outcoached like this, especially by a former student, and it's because of his due diligence to the game and his knowledge that Bama are, uh, are so good. And then when you get somebody who turns up with a playbook that nobody, you know, has, has accredited Texas A&M with, mm. they got them on the jump, they got them early and Bama were chasing and yes, they clawed Texas A&M back, but then Texas A&M sealed it at the end. And it's, I think it's one of those things where you, have to take stock and and go and watch the performance because of what we've seen from Texas A&M previously this season. And you look at it and think, well, what happened? Something must... But it was just, as you said, Texas A&M were the better team on the day. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely better team on the day. And in particular on defense and special team. I mean, they 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 forced two turnovers and one of those, one of those in the end zone, the specials team caused the punt as all sort of problem. I want to say, I think they blocked a punt and, and scored from that. I, I, Possibly, or they they def, they definitely blocked a punt, but yeah, they, they played this game so well. They they they, Anus Smith, Jalen Widemeyer on the offense. Obviously, 
Zach Calzada, who we spoke about, Isaiah Spiller, he only finished the day with 46 yards, but he, like, they won every battle they needed to. Fourth down, I want, what was their fourth down conversion? I want, I'll see if I can find that. Uh, now, I, I may be getting my games, my games missed up here, but did Texas A&M win this with a field goal? Yeah, yeah, field goal's time expired. Have you seen the video of the field goals kickers family on the sideline? Uh, yes, um, I, I haven't watched it, but I, I, funnily enough, as I, as I was watching the highlights earlier, I seen it like it came up briefly. But they 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 lose their mind, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I think it's his wife or his fiance or whoever. I, yeah. She definitely had a ring on her left hand. It's like she goes, she basically drops to her knees when the kick goes over, and then vaults over the sideline and just runs onto the pitch. I just yeah, don't know whether she, she makes it all the way or not, but Johnny Manziel was there as well, wasn't he? Seen his um I no. think his Instagram video or Twitter, someone like out, yeah, he was losing his mind. Because they they but yeah they rushed the field. That is yeah. I think that I think they got like a capacity of like hundred and five thousand something like that. I'm pretty yeah. sure all of them were on the field. <laughs> it's crazy. But what I mean well deserved let's mm. let's be honest. Um yeah crazy. Just, so, uh, go on. No, no, no. I was just no. going to say, speaking of Johnny Manziel, I've literally just seen as well, it's their first win in this series against Bama since Johnny Manziel beat them in 2012 on the road when, when Alabama were also ranked number one. That's mad. <laughs> That's mad. I mean, we, we move on to our next game. Uh, this scoreline is right. Ole Miss beat Arkansas 52-51. I've, I've not seen any of this game, but that is a significant scoreline. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, first thing I wrote down while I was watching, I went, I went back. These these four games, I've, I've watched pretty much all of it. Fast forward a few, few bits and pieces, but one thousand two hundred and eighty-seven yards of total offense. Defense may as well not have been on the field. Was my was my comment, <laughs> barring I think the last few plays where Ole Miss. So they, um, it was it, yeah, it was a slog fest. It was there was there was no defense pretty, but JT Jefferson quarterback for Arkansas and Matt Corral just did what they want. They, they both looked phenomenal. There's five. This game changed changed leads five times in the fourth quarter. Came down what? to <laughs> came down to the last two minutes or even the last minute thirty, I think. So Ole Miss got the ball back with one minute twenty on the clock, one minute twenty two on the clock, something like that. Rather than holding the ball. It was tied at 45-45 at this point as well, by the way. Rather than just pushing it up the field, you know, going for a game-winning field goal, Kiffin and Crow were like, nah, not doing that. One play, 68-yard touchdown. Yeah, cool, done. One minute seven, shows what you can do, Arkansas. JT Jefferson was like, cool, if you can do it, I'm going to do it as well. 75-yard touchdown drive, scored as time expired. Great, great play, by the way. Um, to, literally, as the buzzer went, they scored this touchdown. They could have tied it up with a, with a field goal. Um, sorry, with the extra point. And they and oh, Arkansas head coach, I can't remember his name off the top of my head for some reason. They decided to go for two. I think the commentators were saying at the time, tie it up, extra point, game on, let's go to overtime. As they said that, it panned to the head coach, two fingers up, let's go for two. Terrible, terrible play call. <laughs> it was like I give them all the credit in the world for going for the two points. And to be honest, I probably would have done it as well. After that game, I would have just wanted to get it done, try yeah. and win it there and then, regardless. But the actual play call itself was terrible. And you could tell instantly because the way that Ole Miss defense lined up, they were rushing the passer 
They the the call was wrong. I think Jefferson probably should have should have audibled for either a timeout. I can't remember if they had any timeouts, but um, but yeah, they should have tried to change the play somehow. Didn't got sacked. End of the game, and obviously almost came away came away with a victory. But it was back and forth, end to end, like such a good offensive display. I would I would recommend going back and watching the highlights because yeah, there's some great. There's some great performances. Traylon Burks is my favorite wide receiver, one of my favorite wide receivers in the college football. And this game, he showed why. Two plays in a row, Jefferson put the ball up to him on the sideline and he mossed the defender twice. Back to back plays. He did it once for 35 yards down to about um, Ole Miss's 35 yard line or 40, 40 yard line. Very next play, what like literally one yard line, did the same again, just bang. Yeah, I'm having that. Uh, oh, yeah, so good. He's such a physical wide receiver that's got a burst of speed because then you see in the fourth quarter or third quarter, he's beating players with speed as well. Trail on Burks, watch out for him in the NFL draft because he's going high and wherever he lands, he's gonna be he's gonna be a dominant NFL wide receiver, in my opinion. And this game just shows it. But yeah, crazy game. Scoreline says it all. 51-52, two ranked teams, no defense needed. Let's just throw and run the ball because I mean, yeah, we I've been talking about the 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 passes, but there was also I think what was it? Two nearly 200 yards. Oh, well over now. Oh, sorry. There was over 300 yards of offense for both teams as well on uh, on running, sorry, running offense for both teams as well. It's just a mad game. A mad game. I want to say Arkansas's head coach is Sam Hardman, something like that. Uh, yes, I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what his name is. I think it is Sam Hardman or or something along those lines. It's close to that. Let's yeah. move on to the Red River Showdown. Oklahoma won fifty five forty eight over Texas, who got out early. Xavier Worthy is a monster for Texas. Yeah, sad to say, I left him on my bench in the showdown, but <laughs> that doesn't matter anymore. Um, I mean. To this... be fair, to be fair though, he had a torrid time last week. He had multiple drops in last week's game, so but he bounced you, back you... in the biggest yes. way. <laughs> if you saw last week's game, I would have understood that you benched him because he was terrible last week. But yeah, he he definitely made up for it this week. Yeah, he definitely did this. I actually saw some of this Saturday night. I had it on before I before I went to bed. Uh, it, man alive! I Mims is one hell of a wide receiver. Yeah, it really is. That boy's yeah. that boy's ball locating and positioning on the jump is special. I think his uh, third and nineteen pass from Williams into the end zone for that touchdown is just a thing of beauty. Falling inside the pylon with your foot just inside play, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, this has been spoken about as game of the season contender already, game of the year. I mean, if you go back and watch it. You could you could quite clearly see why mm-hmm. um, largest comeback in Red River history. Um, Oklahoma were twenty one points down. At, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but yeah, twenty one point deficit is the largest deficit to be overcome in the Red River Showdown. Obviously, Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback for twenty twenty two, as people people thought at the start of the year, he was benched at the end of the first quarter. First mm-hmm. half, first half, I think it was. Can't remember. 
Yeah, first half of first quarter, Caleb Williams come in and was... I mean, Caleb Williams came in for a play before Rattler was benched and went for like 30-odd yards or 40-odd yards, something like that. Riley had seen enough, went, go on, Rattler, on the bench, same as last year. You can't do it in the Red River game. Get on the bench. I think he might have had the same mindset because last year he benched him. He came back and he scored like three touchdowns to win them the game in the in last year's Red River not quite the same this year. Caleb Williams wouldn't let him get back on the field. This was Caleb Williams until the end. Until but didn't the last... Rattler come back and, and was... throw a... Yeah, just, just about to say that. Until the last drive, Rattler came back for last two or three plays, threw a pass, and then it looked like they were lining up just to go for the um, the field goal to, to tie the game. And then Kennedy Brooks somehow... Whatever, for whatever reason, Texas defense were not ready. Kennedy Brooks just went, oh, big hole there. I'm going for 33 yards. Give me the ball. Touchdown. We're winning. See you later. Yeah. Direct yeah. snap. Wild it cat. Was, Kennedy yeah. Brooks, thanks for yeah. coming. But I think, because <laughs> did, did he cross the line with a second left or did time expire as he crossed the line? Uh, no, there were still, there was three seconds left. They, they put, so it, when he crossed the line, there was a second left. But when the, Kick the the when Oklahoma kicked the kickoff, the, which they squibbed it. There was three seconds left on the clock, so it's yeah, it was, it's pretty much right. the end of the, the the last second. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, it, what a fight back by Oklahoma! What a game! Texas were 28 uh, seven up in the first quarter. They were fourteen nil up inside the first two minutes. They were up by eighteen at half time. They were up by twenty one at one point, and then yeah, I mean, Oklahoma won this game and I think at half time some people probably would have turned off Oklahoma, a lot of Oklahoma fans thought you know what I can't watch Texas do us like this I'm turning it off look at Twitter go what the hell is going on get get it back on and yeah and then you mentioned him earlier on the other side of the ball Xavier Worthy uh, Xavier Worthy wow what did he finish on like 260 yards and a pair of touchdowns yeah that kid is phenomenal for a freshman true freshman as well we spoke about Trayvon Henderson at, at Ohio State Xavier Worthy is the wide receiver equivalent of him as a true freshman this year and he and he had him he was he had a monster pass reeled in and it was heading towards the end zone and the ball got stripped as well we had a massive yeah fumble I mean it yeah was... that was that was that was unfortunately the one of the yeah one of the down points of his game and obviously turns out Texas's game yeah he was maybe Three yards away from the end zone, yeah. and, and but it was it was a big strip. It wasn't as yeah, if it was, it was a... no nothing nothing like you can't take it. I mean, yes, he got stripped, but I mean that the I don't know. I can't remember which defender it was, but yeah, he got to him and he came behind him and stripped that ball out from from him. So all the credit goes to the defender there. But I think maybe a more experienced wide receiver would have would have maybe turned his head. I think Xavier Worthy was like, "I'm gone. No one's catching me. That's it." Yeah. And yeah. Then, then unfortunately, yeah, he got taken down. But apart from that, yeah, he was he was phenomenal on the day. And as I mentioned earlier, he was really poor last week, which can you can expect from a from a from a true freshman. This is his first year in the in the in the in the game. Uh, but to have a game like this after last week is 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 going to do wonders for him. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see what we're going to see from him if he can continue this way. Absolutely. And then last one, Ash. A lower scoring affair. Iowa beat Penn State 
They did indeed, yes. And this one was about the defences. And we all expected it to be about the defences. This was, the, as I said earlier, Iowa, arguably the second best defence in the country at the moment. And Penn State, a top defence as well this year. And both of them dominated for this game. Um, we, we mentioned earlier that, um, that Sean Clifford went down hurt. And, and that changed the game for Penn State. Yes, he threw two interceptions and um, and Iowa State forced the ball away from him twice. But when Clifford went, Robertson come in and unfortunately their offense just stagnated completely. They were up 17. Uh, what were they up by when he went? They were up 17-3 at one point and then 17-10 before Clifford went down and, and didn't come back. Robertson come in and unfortunately Iowa just caused him all sorts of problems and 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 then Petrus on the other side of the ball was able to get enough to do to 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 see them over the line. They they relied on their defense. They they can rely on this. Iowa can rely on this defense. They're that good. But yeah, um, Iowa turned the ball over four times and they they uh, this was a closely fought game as the scoreline entails. But I think the worthy winners here were definitely Iowa and and and. I'm worried for any 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 offense that goes up against these guys. They they I I think they can do what they did to Penn State today quite easily. I've got one question on them for you, and I've also got my answer. Are they a lock for the playoffs now? I know they're sat at number two at the moment and undefeated, but in your opinion, are they a lock for the playoffs? I don't know. It, uh, you th- you'd like to think so on the state of their defense right now, but. I don't know they're they're running, but if if Bama don't lose, if Ohio State keep going, if Iowa lose, you're talking about the number four spot because of pollings before I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just think if they lose, if Iowa lose one or two, and then you get Cincinnati who maybe lose one, if not lose two. Yeah. So it's so difficult to. I see. For me, I'd have Cincy over Iowa if it continues the way it is, and they. But if if Iowa lose yeah. one, and, and, and uh, yeah, I'd I'd like them to be in the year of madness that we're currently in. I'd love it to be the fact that Iowa are in the top four and make the playoffs. But what are we two weeks out now from from the playoff ranking starting to happen? Something like that, end of yeah. Octoberish. So, so f- for wow. me. For me personally, I I almost want to say that they are because I mentioned it earlier. The only way, uh, that if they lose a game, they drop out instantly. Ohio State and Bama go above them, hundred percent. Doesn't matter how you. It doesn't matter how you look at it. If Bama and Ohio State don't drop another game, and Iowa or Cincinnati do, both of those teams go above them. However, Iowa have on their schedule they have no more ranked opponents to face and they face the last six teams they have have a combined record of 15 wins to 19 losses their schedule go their schedule for the rest of the year is Iowa uh, sorry is Purdue Wisconsin which could be a which could be a tough game Northwestern Minnesota Illinois and Nebraska I don't see them losing any of those games so for me I am going to say that Iowa are a lock in this, unless there is a surprise result in one of those games. 
they they could I mean I think they're going to be undefeated I think we could have two 12 and 0 teams in 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 the year Georgia and Iowa and if they go undefeated and miss out on the playoffs with the way they've played I will be shocked because Bama and Ohio State have a loss and there should be no reason they go above Iowa unless Iowa drop a point drop a game if Iowa drop a game Fair, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I would put them both above them, but if it stays as it is, which I think it will, I can't see them beat losing to any of those teams. Iowa are a lock for me, and, I, and they're a lock for me at two. As much as I love Cincinnati, Cincinnati, I think Iowa's defense is that good that I would put them above Cincinnati at this stage and probably keep them there as well. Uh, yeah, and and hearing their schedule and the cupcake, it is Iowa's now to lose to not mm-hmm. stay in the top four and. The way they're playing and the way that that team is rolling, I think they've got a grasp. They know now that they are, they're there, and I think the way their defense plays, they can solidify that number two. Okay, let's finish on this then, Ash. Kentucky beat Georgia this weekend. Did Iowa win? Did Iowa go to number one overall? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. If Iowa win and Georgia lose, I would I would say that that Iowa will go number one. Iowa should go number one. If they were if 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 Georgia lose, Iowa should go number one, definitely. I still think Georgia. I think Georgia would stay second if they would they would they stay second if they lost to Kentucky. I don't think they can. I don't I, think they I, can. I think they can if they did this to if they did this to Bama. I don't think they can actually. No, I no. think no. You you probably no. I think it it could be exactly what happened to Bama. Those that all I think all of those teams are below him. They they could well see themselves fifth, and we could see Iowa top, Cincinnati second, Iowa, um, Alabama third, and Ohio State fourth, and, and Georgia fifth. On that one, that one loss for a team now seems to be the real deciding factor for banal? these teams. For all for these teams at the top, you see, of course you've got those undefeated teams below them that. That even though they're undefeated, they ain't getting close to the playoffs this year. But yeah, yeah they, those the rest of those teams, yeah. Come on, Cincinnati, stay undefeated. Let's see, let's get them top. I'd love that. Cincinnati, is... Cincinnati finish. Yeah, that'd be imagine fantastic. That. Imagine yeah. that, Ashman. This has been an absolute blast. It's just brilliant to have you back. As much as George was great company last week, I did miss you. It wasn't the same, so I'm pleased you're back. Rush Nation, as I mentioned, this is the second-to-last pod on the Five Yard College channel for a little bit. If you are interested, uh, which you should be, in checking out all the boys' articles, head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk. Check out the articles there from the college. The other guys are smashing it as well, with it being Dynasty, uh, Fantasy, IDP, DFS. Congratulations, Nick, as well. You had some good news from the family this week, so that's big-time stuff. Rush Nation, Ash is back, and I think he's back next week as well. So he isn't disappearing. He has asked me if I'd do him a favour this week, and that's fine. I will do that. He's got his Steelers hat on. Save until the end, didn't I? Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I, I, it's the NFL, man. We, we've both uh, we've both taken our lumps with that at the moment. College is the way forward. Oh, it definitely is. It's, uh, it's all go here at Five Yard College. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Listen, Rush Nation, six weeks in, it's absolute madness, and that is because Saturdays are for rushing too.
can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.